0: Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 86. England have made life difficult for themselves, but by no means impossible. Eddie Jones has announced his new squad to face the Springboks on Saturday. and You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, uh, welcome back. Team has been announced for Saturday's second test uh, against the Springboks, and I am of course joined by Dan. Hi mate. Hi mate. You alright? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Um, obviously, not not the result we were looking for last weekend. Uh, we've had a bit of time to to digest it all, um, and now it's you know we have no choice but to look forward to game two, test number two, and um, and hopefully the start of a two one series victory for England.
1: No doubt, no doubt, it will be. So, I had a look back at last last week's match, had another watch of it, and to me, there are a few key points. First thing I want to say, Faf de Klerk's performance is one of the all time great international performances. I can't remember the last time I saw a performance that good. Yeah. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, so I think credit where credit's due. You know, credit where credit's due. Is that right?
0: That sounds right. Credit where credit uh, is there, due. Absolutely.
1: Credit where credit is due, thank you, Uh, to him. Um, South Africa played really well. Clive Woodward described this week, and I'm not saying he's saying that uh, England's results in 2018 have been a horror show. Now, I I, I don't necessarily disagree with that with regards to results-wise. If we were told at the start of 2018 that's results, it does seem like a horror show. But actually... There's still a lot of positives. We yes, we're having the blip. And yes, it does need to be sorted. And and I think there's certain key areas. But we're still a good team. We've still got brilliant players. Yeah. We're we're not now out of the running to not be a World Cup winning team because we, we're we're still a great team. So I'm I'm still really positive. Um there's parts that are really pissing me off, but discipline. Okay. To me, that is our biggest thing to sort out. I, we, I think we really need to sort that out. It's it, becoming, it's, it's just a, becoming childish.
0: Well, it is. It's the one thing that you kind of look at and just say, in this day and age, with the professionalism that exists in rugby um, and with the guys that are on the pitch, you know, wearing an England shirt, there's just no excuse for some of this. Yeah. You know, the, these are things that it should be second nature when you're at the very top of your game to not give away silly penalties. Um, especially when, you know, the way the game is now, they're so costly. You know, if they're within, and, and you know, at altitude, if they're within 55 metres, three points, you know, there's just no excuse for it. You know, Mako, prime example, the yellow card that he got, there, there was just no need for it. He was tired and a bit annoyed that he'd been, that he'd been made to look silly. But, you know, you're a prop against a scrum half who's having the game of his life. Um, you know, he's going to make you look silly at times. Don't go and drop a shoulder. You, you, you know yeah, how the game yeah. works. There are cameras everywhere. There's a there's a guy upstairs who's going to call the referee and say, you need to get rid of him. It's just, it's ludicrous. Um, so yeah, there's really no excuse for that kind of thing. And we've talked about it before and you've obviously said, you know they need some sort of system internally, like a fine system or, or something that just. That I like I like your wedgie but, idea. Wedgies, yeah. But the fact is, it shouldn't be ne- it shouldn't be necessary. You know, these guys these guys should be able to just say, "Yeah, I'm just not going to do stuff like that because I'm a professional." You know, it's yeah. it's like you say, it's childish. Um, so yeah, they need to they need to sort that out. Uh, you know, you're not going to be a world class side, and you know, maybe they look at teams like New Zealand and they see them getting away with stuff. And if you can get away with it. I, I guess you go, you say oh, fair enough. You got away with it, you know, but you can't you can't you can't think like that, you know. You, we can't we can't worry about what they're getting away with. We need to just concentrate on not doing it. You know, if we don't give away the penalties, we don't give away points, and if we don't give away points, then more more often than not, we're going to win. But I mean, if you look back at these these results from this you know year of hell or whatever it's being dubbed, we haven't had a you know we haven't had lost a game by by a large margin. You know, we, we might have gone behind by quite a bit. We've always clawed it back, but just never quite enough. And so, you know, you're talking small margins of error here. And we could be looking at a very different season. Now, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for England. Because yeah, they've had the losses. I'm inclined to agree. They've had the losses. Um, you know, they, they've got to deal with the, the pressure from the media, from the coaches, from themselves and their teammates. Um, but they're not a million miles away from, from the results going the other way. Uh, and if the if the results had gone the other way we'd be on some world record win streak you know and we'd be saying but they're still not not there yet they're still not perfect and so you know it's it's not a million miles away but little things like those silly mistakes make all the difference um so they need to they need to sort those out i mean if we're looking back you know, let's not look quite that far back, and and let's not worry too much about what Clive Woodward said. You know, he's a media pundit now. I'm, I'm sure he'd be saying very different things if he was still the head coach. He 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 said it in the right way.
1: I I think the problem is the, the headlines are like Clive Woodward says it's a horror show. When you read the sort of content behind it, he's not. He's not slagging off England he's but right now it's his
0: job to kind of raise of questions course. and and you know but he would be you know it, like I said it would be very different if he was the head coach and he'd be saying very different things. so I'm sure from a from a you know in a different capacity he would he would be looking at it a bit like we are now and saying you know focus on the positives because there's no point in focusing on the negatives if we, like, like I say if we look back at last week's game, which is where we are right now, um, yeah, we lost. Uh, yeah, we went from a record kind of, you know, margin ahead to losing the game. But you cut out a couple of individual errors and individual errors, yeah, they happen. They happen in rugby. You know, Elliot Daly with that failed clearance, prime example. That's no one's fault by his, but he knows it. And it's not like it's a problem with his game. It was a it was a moment of madness. And, you know, he'll never do it again. So, it, it
1: was it was interesting. Um, I, I can't remember who was saying this, but it was quite interesting when they were saying that perhaps the difference between where Elliot Daly is now with his experience at fullback um, compared to perhaps a Mike Brown. Elliot Daly sprinted across to cover that. He actually had time. He didn't need to go such a lot. And maybe if he'd just eased off a gas a fraction, he still had a couple of seconds. And then you're not doing everything at top speed. Those mistakes don't happen, but he learns from that and he understands that. And even at top speed, you'd back in nine times out of ten not to make that. But I think
0: also it's things like, you know, in that moment, was he completely aware of all his options? In other words, you know, Mike Brown would have known that if there was any doubt as to whether or not he could dive on the ball and touch it down, he could have just slid into it and kicked it out because it was, you know, do you know what I mean? And was there a mo- I do know what
1: you mean. I I hope Elliot Daly was fully aware.
0: Of well, decisions. obviously he, he knows the fully. rules, but because he doesn't play week yeah. in week out fullback under pressure in that moment, did he think, "Oh my god, I you know my brain, I don't know, I need to touch it down." Do you yeah, know what fair I mean? point. Like, fair were all the options there, kind of by you know by instinct, uh, the way that they would be for a Mike Brown or you know another another out and out fullback, maybe not. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, that that's gonna come with, with experience and with time. Um and it'll be interesting to see whether or not that's something that Eddie Jones gives him. You and I have very different opinions on this. Uh, we, you- we
1: we really do, don't we? Should, should should we should we go into that a bit,
0: actually? Well yeah, so so for, from my point of view, you know, Elliot Daly, world class player, I think, you know, you can play him anywhere anywhere in the backs and pretty much, and and you're gonna be fairly confident that he's gonna put in a performance. But I think that fullback is such a kind of intricate position in terms of understanding the game and the positioning in particular um, that you need someone who really knows it. And I just, I worry, you know, you you look at, uh, you know, the world's number one team, the team that's going to win the World Cup and you're thinking, right, you need to be the best team in the world. Therefore, you need the best players in each position to be the best fullback in the world. Should you not be playing that week in, week out for your club? Like, does it make sense to have a guy that's playing on the wing, or possibly in the centres from time to time, but never really at fullback? And then saying, but you know, two three times a year when you come together with the England set up, you have to go and play a position that requires quite intricate thinking. Uh, you know, qu- requires you to really understand the position. You, it's not really a position you just slot into. Um, and that's that's my issue with having Elliot Daly at fullback. It's not that I don't think he could be a great fullback. It's that I'm not convinced that he spends enough time playing that position to really become the best that he can be at it.
1: So, I, I, and I, mate, I completely take that point on board. My, so I'm looking at it for reward. My take on it is Elliot Daly is such a world-class player that I actually think even if he's not playing it week in, week out for Wasp, which I suspect he might play a bit more. I know they've got Willie LaRue, but people, there is more, a lot more of a rotation system in rugby these days. I think what he could offer at fullback is worth the risk, but perhaps these things he'll fall short. And I think by the world cup, even if it is just in the international thing, he will be comfortable enough at fullback not to make those mistakes. And I think his rugby brain is so good, but what he could offer at fullback is something that England won't have seen for a long, long time. And, more so than I think in Anthony Watson, more so than Mike Brown. That's why I like the look of him at fullback. I think he could be a real game changer there from a sort of counter attack perspective. Look at uh, Liam Williams, for example, in the Lions, like that, that try in the first test, and he was put at fullback. He's not always playing fullback for club, but he plays a lot more than Elliot Daly does there, don't I, get me wrong. But
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the thing wants- is with Liam Williams, there's a constant call for him to be Wales' permanent fullback, isn't there? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's an I, interesting I, one and we'll, and we'll see where it goes. And like you say, I mean, I think if Wasps decide that that they do want to start rotating him through the 15 shirt, then then that's a completely different scenario because my only issue right now is if he never plays fullback for club, then you're not getting the most out of him when he plays for country. Um,
1: uh, no, I, I get what you mean, but I, I think you can learn... I think somebody with Elliot Bray Elliot Brailey? Elliot Daley's ability and Elliot Daley's sort of rugby mind... I think he can learn that position fairly quickly. And you've got to remember, I mean, I know we're talking sort of certain amount of matches, but if he suddenly plays there um, from now until the World Cup, that's, you know, 10, 12 games at fullback, at international fullback, where he will understand it. Not mentioning all the training, all the positioning there. And, and like we said last time, and we, we could be completely off the mark here, but with Mike Brown there, I genuinely believe Mike Brown might be there to offer him a bit of positional support, a bit of you know just guidance into that fullback role. And I, I just, I don't know why. I just think Elliot Elliot fullback might be a stroke of genius.
0: Well, it'll be very interesting to see how this one pans out. But uh, he's I there, right. he's yeah. there Deley, again on yeah. Saturday, so he he gets yeah. another another bite of the cherry. We might all be singing a very different tune uh, at the end of Saturday's game if he's had the game of his life, which we hope he will do. Um, I mean, on, on that note, I mean, look, just before we move on to Saturday's game, because that's what today's episode is really all about. Um, I think the the kind of the underlying uh, thing here is is let's not freak out. Um, yeah. You know, yes, yes, there are issues. We know what they are. Discipline is a massive one of those. Um, we conceded five tries, but let's not forget we scored five tries as well. And five tries in an international, uh, you know, test level international, you know, against top ten teams is a, a you know is a hell of a result. Any way you look at it, so there are positives. There, are, there are. It's very difficult oh, to see right, them sometimes. Um, but that first twenty minutes was unbelievable. Some of the best rugby we've seen uh, from from an England side, you know, in a long time. Um,
1: I, I, yeah, I, I I think it's the best since the two thousand and three vintage.
0: So they've got it. We just, they just need to work out what what it was that sparked that you know that stopped them from kind of keeping up that. You know, maintaining that uh, intensity, um, now, and, and I you, feel like you, it's not a million miles away.
1: So, so a question I have for you, and and you and me were discussing this on my on my drive back when we had one of our. We we basically do this pod three times because we just discuss, but we only record it once because we do all the discussions ourselves. But how much is altitude playing a part? How how much is that playing a part? And how naive are we to? Just completely dismiss
0: it. I, yeah, I mean, obviously there's been reports saying that the players have all said and, and all of the, the kind of the analysis they've done has said that it's not an issue and they're not struggling with it. Yeah. Um, I know that other players in the past have said differently, but I just don't see what, what possible reason the England coaching set-up would have for saying that and therefore not training at altitude unless they genuinely believed it. And they have more information than we do. So I have to believe hey, that actually it's not as big a deal. And, and actually, you know, I draw your attention to Faf de Klerk, who you've already mentioned, game of his life, one of the best performances you've seen in a nine shirt, who's, who has spent just as much time in England over the last, you know, 12 months or, whatever it, or however long it's been as the England boys have. Um, and they say that you need 10 days to fully adjust. Well, you know, he didn't yep. have that, and yet he was able to do what he did. And I don't think saying, well, he, yeah, but he used to live in South Africa, it doesn't work like that, because it's to do oh. with the... <laughs>
1: oh, nice, nice, because we had this chat earlier, and I used that. to so now
0: counted my argument before sure I could say it. Well, exactly, it. exactly. But it doesn't, it doesn't work like that, because it's just about the thickness, you know, the, the amount, uh, the, the thickness of the air, isn't it? So it,
1: it, it is, So
0: it but... It, it comes it... and it goes, depending on how much time you spend in, in, at different altitudes. So he will have been as much at a disadvantage as England, Agreed. Uh, and yet, clearly, he wasn't at a disadvantage.
1: Agreed. But if some people are saying it is an issue, if from when we'd arrived in South Africa, we'd stayed at altitude, we'd trained at altitude, and we were there now, in theory, if they say in 10 days, although again, there's mixed reports on this, by now, they would have had that 10 days. They would have been acclimatised. Why would you? Why would you not take away that issue from the start? Why would you not say, Look, we don't know how much of an issue it is or isn't, but let's not even make that argument relevant. Let's, let's train at altitude, let's keep them at altitude. So we can't have that. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, this is where I'm saying, though, that, that there's absolutely no reason that I can think of why the England coaching staff would want to put England at a disadvantage, unless it's some weird yeah. Eddie Jonesism where he's saying, no, I want them at a disadvantage because it's better training for for japan but then japan's at altitude isn't it or parts of it uh i pass i think i don't know i know they've got coast as well but yeah but, but i just don't i don't see why they would be saying it i don't see why they wouldn't have just changed you know they would be training at altitude if they genuinely believed it would help in some way so there must be some advantage which we just don't know to doing what they're doing i i just i, I can't get behind the idea that they're just being naive with the with the amount with the size of the the kind of the backroom staff that goes with England and the, the the researchers and the people who would be you know the the professionals that would be giving advice to Eddie Jones and and you know England rugby. I just Mate, don't, yeah I, don't I, I, I really that hope they're right. Go, no, I really we're going, going right. to ignore all your advice and we're going to train down here and and you know we don't believe it's going to be. I just I can't see it.
1: I I do hope you're right, but there is a part of me that doesn't understand. I, I don't understand the disadvantage of training there. Whereas I understand the potential disadvantage of not training there. I guess that's my only argument. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying there is a definite disadvantage by not training there. Cause maybe there's not, and maybe, and a lot of the experts, because people are saying 10 days, I've also heard actually it takes sort of three, four weeks to make any difference in which case there is no point, but I, I genuinely don't know. Yeah in which case that's an answer. But if you trained at altitude the whole time, I don't see a disadvantage there. If anything, and and again, I don't know, but so say at Eden Park, it was 1,800 metres or feet or whatever it is above sea level. At Bloemfontein, where they are, it's now 1,300. I don't know how much difference that would make. I'd imagine it makes a slight difference. If you've been training all week at 1,800 and then you're playing at 1,300, if anything, it makes you feel a bit better. It's like, I mean, it's like when you were training...
0: Your reasoning is definitely sound. Um, I'm just... Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm just... Uh, I'm playing... No, not even playing devil's advocate. I'm just saying that I refuse to believe that they're just that dumb. And yeah,
1: yeah. And, and, and you're therefore, right. And therefore, so I have they to assume that there's something heads. that
0: we just don't get.
1: Yeah. Oh, completely. And and no doubt that's the case. Because like you say, they're, they're not idiots. They are very good rugby brains. Um rugby minds so moving on my, my one other thing and again this, this seems like a, a negative but it, it's more it's more a question i'm not meaning it negatively but we've leaked a lot of points in the last few games and that tends to be because of a breakdown quick ball why is our defense suddenly why is our defense suddenly gone gone a bit crap i mean our defense was very strong um has, has something changed has it just been because we haven't Adapted quite to this quick ball, sort of at the breakdown. We haven't quite yet sort of based our defence system upon such quick ball because I mean that's how Scotland got us. That's how I mean. Let's face it. That's how sort of France and the South Africa definitely found us out there. Could it be? that we just haven't yet quite adapted to this really quick way of thinking. Because England seem to be found out. If you play really quick ball rugby. England are very beatable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess if you think back, I'm just I'm thinking on my feet here, and I'm thinking uh, if you think back to the to the times when you know England's defence was was this rock that people would would talk about. You picture yeah. you picture England camped on their five meter line, uh, and teams picking and going, picking and going, picking and going, and getting nowhere.
1: Like in Australia when we won three 0
0: Yeah, but that's not the defence you're talking about now, because you're now talking about. Team's ability to spread the ball really quickly and and suck England players in and create overlaps and create gaps, which is and I, I think that's a different type of defence uh, and maybe it's something that's you know that's been highlighted and England have never been particularly good at it but it just never had to be uh, until now and and therefore yeah it's a worry. Um, I mean they, they can do it in attack. They, you know that twenty minutes last weekend, that first twenty minutes, they were doing it to to South Africa. So they know, they know what they're trying to do to the opposition. They should therefore know what the opposition would do to them if the same if the roles were reversed. Um, so yep. yeah, I don't know the answer. Um, they seem to they seem to have a game plan for going forwards, but not really a game plan for when they're backpedalling. And uh, so what's so a
1: wise man? Yeah, so so it's so a wise an attack. He did seem to offer something because, like you say, that first twenty minutes did look good. I I hope that I hope he hangs about a bit actually.
0: Well, I, I, mean, I
1: like us having an attack coach. I, I have no idea whether he will or won't, but I hope he does hang about. On, on an
0: aside, by the way, we we're talking about coaches. We did have a little debate um, a few weeks back on one of our episodes about whether Gustard would go on tour. And of course, he is there. So, yeah, just uh, I think that was what I said, what I said. So that's that's probably like 8 nil to me.
1: Uh, well, I think we cleared that up in the episode. I just googled Will Gustard go going the tour, and it said yes. No, 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 eight 0 sure. <laughs> Anyway, me. <laughs> <nil>, anyway, Anyway, the other seven we'll uh, discuss. Let's off, move off on.
0: Let's move on. Um, obviously, the next game, the big one, r- reset. Um, we need two two wins in a row to uh, take the series. Yeah. Take the first ever series in South Africa. I, um, I really believe we'll do it. I, I genuinely do think we will. Well yeah, and there are some changes. You know, we talked at the end of the yeah. well, I don't know if we did talk at the end of the last week, but but we should have done, uh, if we didn't, um about changes that we felt were required and some of them have been made. I mean the first one, um, not which is you know non contentious, um, is obviously Joe Launchbury's back. Uh he was injured last week, which is why Nicosekwe came in for him. Uh he's fit again, so he comes back. Uh Nicosekwe, however, is dropped from the twenty three. Uh, the other big change is Chris Robshaw who has always been – he's been ever-present under Eddie Jones. This is the first time that he's dropped him from the 23 since he took over. Um, He's out of the 23, uh, giving Brad Shields his first start, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I think – Yeah, me too. I've actually – I've been quite surprised, like, you know, listening to other pods and and reading stuff in the media about supposedly how negatively English fans have taken – the news that Brad Shields has, has been brought into the England set-up. I don't get that. Oh, really? Yeah. I I, I could understand, know what? You, you know, Kiwis and, and other other fans from around the world making a big song and dance about, you know, stealing players from abroad and all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, he's got every right to play for England, you know, according to the laws. And so why not? It's not... Well, it's, it's
1: not just according to the laws. He has heritage. It's, it's
0: different. I mean, according to the, according <laughs> to the laws of rugby, he's from, within his rights to yeah. play for England. So... Yeah. yeah, it's not the first time this has happened. It won't be the last. You know, New Zealand is pretty much made up of non-New Zealanders. Um, so I don't get why people would have an issue with it. You know, sure, he's not good I, enough. But we if haven't people seen have
1: it an issue, if people have an issue, it's their issue. He's capped by England now. He's an England international. He will only realistically at his age, he will only ever be an England international deal with it there's there's not really you you know to the guys out there who don't like it i i I think his parents or he's got one parent who's english has absolutely every right to play for england by heritage he is part english it's no to me there is no
0: discussion here relax (laughs) <laughs> breathe
1: <laughs> don't, don't poke me <laughs> uh,
0: my, my, po- my point was less about the pe- people's issue with him playing that was more of an aside but, um, but it was more that, that from my point of view it surprised me because actually I'm really excited to see him getting a start uh, at six yeah, you know, which is his favourite position instead of coming on in the second row like he did last week um, yeah. to see what he can do and, and you know you've just we've just spent the last sort of five minutes talking about the breakdown big part of that is the back row um this is what he does week in, week out for the hurricanes, what he will be doing for wasps. So let's see what he's got. Let's see if he can offer something to England that, you know, Chris Robshaw doesn't offer anymore. I and mean, yeah, you know, we we've talked a lot about Chris Robshaw. You know, we we're big fans. Uh, you know, the guy is a workhorse, but he just doesn't offer as much as he once did. Um and you know, my analogy for that is the you picture the graph and and you know he's peaked, he's on the way back down again. Um, I heard from someone someone else saying that, you know, he's a he's a machine, but it's a machine that's running on empty. Um, so maybe other people think that he's just a bit tired. Uh, but I think any way you look at it, it, he he needs to be taken off for a while and give someone else a shot. Um, and I think it would yeah, be interesting I'm, to see how Brad Shields goes.
1: Yeah, I'm not willing to write him completely off from an England camp yet cause I still think there's things to offer. But I 100% agree with you. I'm really excited to see Brad Shields. I think it's the right call. Cool. Uh, Chris Robshaw has been an absolute legend and an absolute great servant to English rugby and it may still may still play a part in that and and look uh, you know let's hope so because I, I actually really like Chris Robshaw as, as a player as a person but right now he's not the best
0: six no. for England. I think that's and, that's exactly it simple as.
1: Yeah and and I th- I think you know, rightly so. Brad Shields is getting a start. I'm really looking forward to
0: seeing it. So, um, so it's Brad Shields, Tom Curry, and Billy uh, making up yeah. the back row. A lot, a lot of I, chat. I love the look of Look at it. Yeah, you know, a lot of chat again about Tom Curry last week, just being a bit off his game, um, just a bit quiet. I think was the was the general consensus. Um, hopefully, he gets. You know, hopefully, he he kind of gets more stuck in, gets more involved, and and I'm glad you know, does the things that we've seen him do. You know, yeah. albeit at the lower. The lower tier against the lower tier nations, um, and the barbar, bar, you know, and the barbarians and what have you. So we want to see more of that, um, and hopefully, you know, he's not just sort of being put off by the by the kind of the level of the game because he's clearly capable. Uh, but yeah, so it's a good good back row launch, of Toje making up the second row, which is much more what we what we like to see.
1: So, so that that to me on form is by far the best second row in the world. I just want to see that. I want to see that come to fruition on, on Saturday because when Maro, when of uh, Vitoje and uh, Joe launch free, I can't Launchpad. remember his name. <laughs> Launchpad launch free um, play well. It is an unbelievable talent in the, in the row. And I, I, I hope that happens because those guys are two excellent players and we okay. you know we're lucky to have them.
0: So a question for you then and after your initial response of no think about it and then and then have another thing. Okay. Marotoje, uh you know we've been singing his praises for probably 18 months, 2 years now, um talking about how amazing he is. And yet it seems that you know the last 6 months at the end of every game we kind of we we seem to always say it doesn't seem to be that into it is not not the way he used to be he's not firing like he used to he's not doesn't seem quite as geared up as he once was he does not seem quite so interested in in playing for England like he used to is he is he currently a little overhyped
1: um so 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 I I so two answers yes and no Yes for England, no for Saracens. For Saracens, the last few games he has been unbelievably world class, but like, just
0: ridiculously for England. But we're talking about England, aren't we? So that's yeah, that, that. we are talking about England. So
1: so actually, the answer for England is he currently a little overhyped. Yes, and and you said last week about maybe does he need to be dropped? And my argument was, are we judging his standards too high? If if depending on if at the start of the season, uh, coming up to the autumn internationals, let's say, if Courtney Laws and Cruz, and and any of the others, if I don't know if Dave Atwood's back at Bath, but in France he's been absolutely, I hate tearing up trees, so I'm going with ripping up roads. But if Dave Atwood's playing like that, I think that where Marotojé before was on the team sheet, regardless, I would hope now that he will. He's now back on an even keel with these guys. And it will be selected on form. I mean, However, I think, yeah. Eddie doesn't select on Premiership form. We know that.
0: No. And, and in some ways, the, the Toje thing almost, although he doesn't, it doesn't seem to work, apply to Maro. It almost sort of justifies that decision. By Eddie Jones, yeah. because because you're thinking, well, Maratoge is is one of the informed Premiership players right now, and yet you look at him in an England shirt, and it's just not the same guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's weird, isn't it? Because Eddie sort of doesn't, but also what what I would say about this is Eddie doesn't pick on Premiership form, but the people he picks instead are not performing. Yeah. So rather than have, for example, a Don Armand, then you might have a Chris Robshaw and. Chris Robshaw hasn't been performing. It's like, why are you not picking the people who are playing the top of their game? It, I, I'm struggling with it slightly. I do still genuinely believe in Eddie James and I believe in his rugby knowledge, but I do think he's made some mistakes. Well, um, this def- week, def- when definitely I look he's got
0: at- a way of thinking that doesn't quite align with ours,
1: doesn't he? So, so that's it. So when I say I think he's made a mistake, that's my... Personal opinion. Now, what we gotta bear in mind is his rugby knowledge is ten times mine.
0: Yeah, and nine so, times mine.
1: <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> nice, nice. I know what you've done there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're gonna like that one, you're gonna dine off that for a while, aren't you? Um but it's there's still decisions I don't get, and I feel justified by saying things like last week. Why the hell was Pierce Francis on the bench? Now this week I'm really glad to see Danny Cipriani is on the bench.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, just just before before we go on to that, uh, because I do we obviously want there's a big there's a big bit we can talk about there. But just while we before we leave the back five, um, Mm. so so we like the look of the back three. We like the look of the second row, despite the fact that Mara really needs to kind of just step back up. Uh, and uh, do what he does for Saracens in an England shirt, like he used to do for England, because that's the marrow we want to see. And we know, I think that's that's the ultimately what it comes down to. We know he's capable of it. It's not like he used to be that good, and he's not anymore because he does it for Saracens. So we know he's still that good. He just needs to start doing it in an England shirt. But it's a good yep. starting front uh, back five. But it gets a bit weird when you then look at the bench because, firstly, you've got he's done he's done the same again. So two back row replacements in Nathan Hughes and uh, this time Mark Wilson. Uh, his two back row replacements, um, and no second row replacement, and I just find it bizarre because you've got Maro Tojé, who we know can cover the back row, yeah. so surely it makes sense to have a second row replacement because you've always got that option of moving Maro if that's what it comes down to. Um, and I don't know. If, we we have slightly different opinions, but but for me, Nathan Hughes and Mark Wilson doesn't make sense. When you've got a Sam Simmons who can cover flanker and eight, uh,
1: so I, so, so yeah, I mean, we're we're slightly different. I I thought Nathan Hughes had a big impact last week. I I I would have Nathan Hughes involved 100, percent be it on the bench. I I thought the office value, Mark Wilson to me. So here's where I think we went wrong, and and it's again it's something in the sentence. So which we'll cover in a bit. So. Mark Wilson, yeah, good player, good season. I would have a second row there. Now, I'm trying to remember. So, Courtney Laws and Cruz, or even Atwood, who's been playing brilliantly this season, why are they... I can't remember if they're injured or they're rested or whatever. Laws
0: and Cruz are both injured. Well, Laws is definitely injured. Cruz, I think, is injured, although he maybe was given a rest because he hadn't been performing quite as well. So, I
1: don't think Eddie Eddie has faith in the second row on the bench. And I get the breakdowns a big area. I think you need another second row. I would, ha- but don't I forget would forget have. I would have when you it.
0: A fit cruise and a fit laws. You have. He always takes three second row.
1: Yeah, and and maybe that's it. I, so I wonder whether he just doesn't have full faith in his second row subs, and he's he's thinking actually, I'd rather have the extra back row for the breakdown if we're going to go hell for leather at the breakdown, um, and. And then we can move someone into the second row. Um, with regards to, I can't remember your thing. Simmons. So my thinking on Simmons might just be the the physical presence of a Nathan Hughes compared to a Sam Simmons.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, my issue is uh, that and, Nathan, and Hughes, Nathan, Nathan Hughes. Nathan Hughes is, is an out and out get, number eight. Yeah, Same I agree. A story, he's a like for like swap for Billy Vinapola, only not quite as effective. Yeah. Yeah. So if Billy needs to come off, then I get. You know, it's great if you've got a Nathan Hughes to bring on in his place. If Billy doesn't need to come off and he didn't last week because there wasn't that option, then yeah, but,
1: but you're then that that's the thing. There wasn't that option. To, I mean, Billy probably Billy probably could have done with I, I don't think Billy's still quite got eighty minutes international. Just because he's been injured so long. No, nothing to do with him. I'm I'm sure he'll be there soon, but
0: yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. think
1: Nathan Hughes has to be on the bench. For me, Nathan Hughes does has to be there. But the Mark Wilson thing—if you're going the other back row—I would have Sam Simmons there ahead of Mark Wilson.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe Mark Wilson can cover can cover second row. I don't know. I
1: well, know well Mark, Mark Wilson can scrap on the floor probably better than than Sam Simmons, which is
0: maybe where the
1: thinking is. Yeah, Mark Wilson can—you you, know—he's sort of not. not I am not putting him in the same league as a Pocock or even a Hooper but he's uh he's more that sort of player and yeah. maybe that's what Eddie thinks
0: is But, but even going back to the Nathan Hughes thing and, and if you want to go with with Nathan um as that like for like swap for Billy I still given that Toje can play back row I still would go you know putting a Seque or someone in it as a second row cover.
1: Or Johnny uh, Hill yeah I, I I may I agree I agree. Um, I, I, anyway, that, I that's do. not what's
0: happened. Uh, he's gone. He's gone to back row replacements again, and no secondary replacement. And we will see how that pans out. Hopefully, um, hopefully, both Marrow and Joe have the games of their lives and don't need to come off, and we don't need to worry about it. Um, so then, front row is no change. Uh, so that is Mako, Jamie, George, and Kyle Sinclair starting with Luke Cowan, Dicky, Joe Marler, and Harry Williams finishing. Um, don't really not much uh, to talk about here. The only thing you, you mentioned it uh, a few weeks back, I, I think in an episode, although possibly it was just where we were chatting about it, but you were saying that on, on kind of not on form but on, on results, uh, Jamie George has always performed better coming off the bench. Admittedly he has, he's had a lot of opportunity to do that. <laughs> um, Luke Karen Dickey has always performed better starting. Is there an argument to suggest that actually they'd be better off the other way around? even though Jamie George is kind of officially the, the England number two hooker?
1: Um, yes, yes, there is. But I don't, I, 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 I think it's very hard to argue Jamie George starting. He was a lion starter. He starts with Saritons and plays well. I, I think we're talking in England games when things are going well. It, it's It's a very tricky one. But I'm happy either yep. way, I, I must admit, with those guys. Um, I'd like to see Cowan and Dickey get some game time, I think Cowan and Dickey is starting to play really well, and I think he deserves
0: that that opportunity. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I guess we'll see how much time he gives them this week. But, um, OK, fine. I, I, I personally, yeah, I don't feel particularly strongly about that. I was just curious. Obviously, you'd mentioned it in the past. I was curious how you felt about it now. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, I think. I'd
1: like to see... It, it,
0: I wouldn't be upset either way around. Purely from a personal
1: perspective, I'd like to see Karen Dickey start with Jamie George on the bench. From a purely personal perspective, but I'm not. I'm by no means thinking this is oh, what's going
0: on here? Because
1: in in actual fact, I think if it was the other way around, it'd be more controversial than it is now.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm sure it would be for obvious reasons. But uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. So we're pretty happy. But so so that that pack, that pack looks good. You know, again, like last week, maybe maybe yeah. a couple of question marks over the replacements, but I think a stronger bench for the pack this week. I agree. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the to the to the backs. Um, initially, no changes. Uh, so Ben Youngs starting at nine, obviously with George Ford and Owen Farrell at ten, twelve. Um, I don't think that you'd want it any other way right now. There's been chat about. George Ford, you know, was shown up in the in the in the sort of sixty minutes, but he was so good in that first twenty and in the last twenty.
1: I I think George Ford deserves another chance at ten. I'm I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, Where where I think the bat has fallen, and I don't think there's so with what's available. I get that team last week. I, I didn't get Mike Brown but actually I think he's probably earned himself a place oh, start 100% again.
0: he he's he's played he played the right game and he answered his critics and he's absolutely there on form um and deserves to be there We we well, won't go into the game we've already talked about it but you know I I question whether or not he should be playing at fullback but we also have this theory that he's there to usher in this new era of fullback and kind of just support Elliot Daly um I'm not too concerned about it this week uh, because of the way he played. As long as he does the same again, um, I'm yeah. okay. Uh, so, so yeah, so, so, I'm, so I'm not, not too worried there. Centers. Well, obviously uh, Owen Farrell at 12, no problems there. Do we think, yeah, no shit. <laughs> do, do we think that um, Henry Slade is fortunate to have another crack?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think it's, we we've watched available, it's the right call. Where I think where I think we're lacking in the centres and with Ben Tio getting injured, this has been highlighted. And you said before the tour, why would you not take Manu? And I was saying, Oh, you know, maybe given time to build himself, there's been so many injury. But actually yeah, you it, now with Ben Teo, now with ben Teo injured, we wish we don't really have any major go forward ball.
0: No.
1: We've got the skill and the ability to make those gaps, and we don't have anyone so that's fine having that ability to find those gaps, we don't have anyone who can smash those holes like a Teo, like a Manu. So this is where actually we were we missed out on taking the Manu.
0: Um, I, I would and, love I would love to be seeing this team sheet with Manu down at oh the thirteen. God, yeah, I think that's yeah. that's a very different looking back line then. Um and a great looking one because you've got you've got Ford and Farrell with the ability to skip him out whenever they want. Yeah, you know and- the option that that it creates because defensively, you know, you can't drift. You've got to be got to be on point, ready to to tackle Manu if he gets the ball. And Farrell has that ability to look up and just make a split second decision. Either either Manu goes you know at a gap or at a player, or it goes past Manu and you know out to a Johnny May with his ridiculous pace, you know, or an Elliot Daly coming in from fullback. Um,
1: and and with, with a George Ford on a go-forward ball, George Ford can find passes that no one else in yeah. World Rugby can. George Ford can see. If you've got a Manu running a line, George Ford will see it and put it to him. If you've got Manu running a line and he's got a half gap, he's going to be bloody hard to stop. That, that guy, I'm, I'm not sure if you've noticed this about him, but he's got a bit of power behind him. What well, Manu's um, too late, really? Yeah, mate, mate. Honestly, you should, watch, you should watch him once in a while. He can break the odd tackle. Nice. I know you think of him as more of a sort of silky skills guy, but he can break the old tackle. And, oh, awesome. and, and if you've got George Ford, like just seeing that and putting that, that would be, that would be exciting. So my ideal back line doesn't look this dissimilar. I'd probably have Ford, Farrell, maybe even a Manu there daily at fullback. And then on the wings I'd have between May Watson and Noel. And, and that, at the moment, would probably be my ideal starting. with,
0: with the other one on the bench mm. well, the other talk- one on
1: the bench with a with a Danny Cipriani, which I'm really glad he's on the bench.
0: Yeah, so yeah, so he makes the bench probably looking at fullback cover. rather than Yeah, but, yeah but I, I, the I think ability Danny, to do either. I just, I kind of yeah. just, I don't know, maybe he's thinking if Ford is struggling, he'd like to see Cipriani partner up with Farrell, keep Farrell at 12. But I would imagine yeah. Farrell moves to, to 10.
1: Well, uh, no, and... I, no, I think we're struggling. I think I bring Danny Cipriani on at 10. Danny Cipriani is like world-class
0: like 10. Sure. Uh, but yeah, well, so it'll be interesting to see which way he's thinking. Because we, we hoped that he was looking at Cipriani as a 10. And, and, course, and I never thought I'd say this. He was is... looking at him as a 15. And then, of course, against the Barbars he played 13. So I yeah, guess there's uh, options.
1: And I never thought I'd say this at international level. But Danny Cipriani is actually a stronger defender than George Ford. I never thought I'd be calling Danny Cipriani one of our strongest defensive 10s, but um, he he actually is. So Danny Cipriani at 10 will offer, because although George Ford has that passing side and all that, Danny Cipriani has that, like, Danny Cipriani can make those breaks himself. He still has that vision. He's can get that quick ball Uh, Danny Sipriani is such a good player he is such a quality player and I'm glad he's part of the match they scored
0: for sure do you need a moment (laughs) I'm I'm just I'm just relaxing myself now
1: (laughs) I I don't know because you hear a lot of stuff about Danny Sipriani and as a person you don't know is he disruptive is he not I genuinely don't know Um, but as a player it's unquestionable how good the guy is. so I'm glad he's involved. Denny Solomona, yeah, pretty happy he's involved. He, he's going to offer some stuff. But I mean,
0: who else are you going to have?
1: Well, you got Nathan now oh, It is much, much. much, much the one thing that's pissed me off, why, why is Ben Spencer there? And and that's nothing against Ben Spencer, but why not Robson? I, I don't get it. I really, really don't get that.
0: No, I mean, I I, I, dis, I don't disagree with you and I, I went as far as to comment on the BBC website about it and um, and actually someone came back and I'm going to try and find it now but it won't be anywhere near. <laughs> it won't be anywhere near. But so, someone came back and just pointed out because I'd sort of said, you know, he doesn't even start for his club and they pointed out that Saracens don't have starters, you know, like, for, you know, at nine and actually he's played more minutes this season than Wigglesworth and Saracens' top try scorer.
1: Okay, that that's kind of shitting on my argument. Well, a mine bit. too. But, mine too. So if that's the case, <laughs> I
0: kind of I'm kind of like, oh, okay.
1: Okay, but, but okay. So every week where you watch, uh, I, I know the Premiership highlights with uh, Durden and Flats and whatever, Durden, and Flats and whatever. Do you hear Ben Spencer's name? Do you, or do you hear Dan Robson's yeah, name? Yeah, no, no. no
0: I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. He's maybe he slipped under the radar a little bit as far as they're concerned, but um, maybe this is where. You know, this is where Eddie starts to show why he's the guy in charge and not you.
1: Um, yeah, I, I'm still like, don't get me wrong. I'm really glad Eddie's there, but him ahead of me, I'm, I'm just, it doesn't quite. Well, we've already right
0: established it, he has actually. 10 times more knowledge than you. Uh, eight times, wasn't it? No, 10. 10 for you. <laughs> Are you nine, sure it wasn't Nine eight? times okay. more than me. Um, okay. But anyway, yeah, so so I'm, I'm less annoyed about that than I was this morning when I read it uh assuming that what this guy told me was true which he may have just made it up he might be ben spencer's best mate or something and he just uh it
1: might be ben spencer maybe it was ben spencer was this guy's name's sen Bencer,
0: by was, any chance uh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah but, but but that that is that that's the lineup guys um what what do you think what do you think Dan in terms of in terms of how this compares to last week and your expectations
1: I I, I think it looks like a better team than last week,
0: and and I think that's the key thing here because I think South Africa put out the perfect team and had the game of their lives. I feel like they might have peaked, Um, and if England are putting out a better side than last week and only narrowly lost last week after you know the perfect start, uh, I feel like this is I I feel like one all is the most likely scenario come. Five six pm to, uh, on Saturday.
1: Uh, it'll be late, five pm. But yeah, um, I I'm inclined to agree. So what what I've heard is South Africa will only get better. I I completely disagree with that. I don't think Faf de Klerk can play that well again. Not and that's nothing against Faf de Klerk. He's a brilliant player. I just don't think it's possible to be that good again. <laughs>
0: So, and, and England will have had time to look at what he's doing and and come up with a game plan to deal with it. So yes, you could argue. Well, the South Africans have also had time to look at what England might have looked at, and but but you know he took England by surprise, and England didn't oh, react. He quick
1: he, he was absolutely world class. He was he was the best nine in the world by a mile on on, his, on, on Saturday, day, yes. and. And that like I say, that was one of the best international performances I've seen for years. I, I'm trying to remember I remember a Johnny versus Island once where I just remember thinking, God, this guy's good. I remember Dan Carter a few times, Richard McCall. But that that was for me, that was up there with one of the best international performances I've seen.
0: So yeah, I so, hope
1: I'm not overregging it, but I don't think I am.
0: No, I, I agree with you, and I and I think you're right. I think I think South Africa will, will struggle to to do it again. Um, it, apart from yes, it will have yeah. taken a lot out of them too. Let's not let's not forget that you know it will have that, taken a lot out of England as well. Well, it will have done, except they didn't defend very well.
1: Like, yeah, but that defence thing is quite weird. I mean, do you think? And and again, I'm not at all blaming Gussard, Do you think Gussard even subconsciously has only got half a mind on the job?
0: I don't purely because of i not that. A few interviews me. that I read, and you know, he was so passionately talking about the fact that. Although he's moving to Quins, you know he he just the way he talked about, you know the, ha, the I, pride that he has for actually, for yeah, know, yeah being a part of of England and, and the England setup and stuff. I just I don't believe he's done he's put anything but a hundred percent into it.
1: oh uh, mate, yeah, I, there was no part of me questioning that he wasn't doing that. I either. mean,
0: you were you were suggesting that he that he was half heartedly. Well,
1: I doing was saying exactly that. You was suggesting back that all he was
0: back. thinking about was was Quinn's.
1: Well, yeah, it was Queens and you, you know that stuff, but uh, you know, thanks for calling me on that. No worries, I appreciate it. Uh, um,
0: okay, predictions.
1: So, I and and I'm not just look, every time we predict, I'm never not going to predict an England win, so I, I think we need to get used to that. I
0: mean, you think i playing New Zealand tomorrow on Saturday? Uh, okay, that, that that may be
1: slightly that may be slightly different. Um but I genuinely believe England will win on Saturday. I really do. Oh, I, I think I actually right. think England are a better team player for player. Um, and so I then. think will have from our mistake. Uh, so I think England win. Just put points difference.
0: Think, Just do a points difference.
1: A points difference. I think England win by
0: six. By si- I'm going England by seven.
1: Oh, of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cool. Right. So well we'll see.
0: Yeah, we will see. And guys, obviously thanks for, for sticking with us. It's been a slightly longer one than usual, but we had a pretty short episode last week. We'll bring you a little bit more detail um for this next game. Um but yeah, get in touch if you've got any thoughts on on what we've said today, uh if you've got any different opinions or if there's anything you think we've missed. Um you can well it would be great if you could rate us and review us on iTunes. Um but you can get in touch with us on Twitter, on Facebook, at England Rugby Pod. Um, you can email us, Pod at gmail.com. You can check out the website, www.englandrugbypod.com. Um, and just, uh, yeah, keep listening. That's the most important thing. Um, and keep spreading the word. And we will catch you on Saturday.
1: Yes, we will. We will, guys. Thanks very much for listening. And once again, another live, or our version of a live uh, sort of show on Saturday. Can't wait. And uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. Cheers, guys.